0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. So for today's episode, I wanted to talk about how do you cope when family and or loved ones, that can include friendships, that can include exes, that can even include associates, so work colleagues and other people who you're in close relationship with, how to cope when they think negatively of you. The reason why this podcast episode topic came up is, is actually one of the things that I see often that happens with women when they start to create boundaries when they start to show up for themselves, especially if they have been in codependent cycles where they have kind of allowed narratives to be told to them or that they've just kind of operated and with compliance. And now they're saying no, now they're putting their foot down. Now they're verbalizing things that they don't want. Usually there is a backlash that comes with that, unfortunately. And the backlash is because people are not used to this this version of you. And so one or two things will happen. If you're in relationships with people who are healthy, even if there is disagreement, even if it's kind of shocking for them, they can hold space for that because they have their own internal boundaries. They're able to listen and engage they can hold space for your point of view, for your feelings, and they can adjust. Again, even if it's uncomfortable at first, even if they don't really know what to do with this newer version of you, there there's space for growth and expansion. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. With the crazy heat waves we are experiencing this summer, especially here in Texas, it can be hard to stay fresh while you're out and about. And that's why I've incorporated the Honey Pot's Foaming Wash and Wipes into my daily routine. The Cucumber Aloe Honey Pot Wipes provide a quick refresh when I leave a day of errands and head to a girls' night with friends. If you're heading to an outdoor concert or festival, the Honey Pot Wipes are a must to keep you fresh between the fun. Both the Foaming Wash and Wipes are plant-derived, backed by science, dermatologist-approved, gynecologist approved, and hypoallergenic. Get 25% off your first order from thehoneypot.co slash summer. That's T-H-E-H-O-N-E-Y-P-O-T dot C-O slash summer to get 25% off your first order and join the hive today. For those of us who are in partnerships, relationships, family bonds with folks who maybe don't have that expansion for tolerance or they are very, very tied to keeping things the way that they are supposed to be in their mind, Um, they have a certain narrative about you, about how things should be, they will have a harder time adjusting to that. And with that usually comes the backlash that I'm mentioning. So a storyline or a narrative about you being a bad person, a bad daughter, a bad sister, a bad grandchild, a bad Ex wife, a bad ex girlfriend, a bad mother, a bad whatever it is that fits the narrative that you're the one who's going against the rules of how things should be. And usually those narratives can be shared between other people and that could be really hurtful. Um, and that can be really hard. And a lot of times is one of the things that I see my clients go through once they start to show up for themselves and it's dealing with the pain of that, dealing with feelings of betrayal, feelings of wanting to fix it, feelings of wanting the people on the other side of that, especially because these are loved ones, right? These are not people who are distant, wanting to stay in relationship with them, but feeling as if the newer or more healed version of, Who they are is not welcome because it's going against the family norms or is going against the relationship norms of how things are supposed to be. You're supposed to, even though it's not said, you're supposed to be disempowered. You're supposed to fit in the box that we want you to fit in. And when you don't, we don't like that. So today's episode is really going to be focused on how do you cope when that is your situation, in hopes that anyone who is facing that now that you feel some validation. Two that you have some next steps for you to take in case that is that is where you are um to to take back that feeling of being disempowered to app operating your powers it's really interesting how that works. you know you are stepping to a place where you start to actually get to know yourself and know what you want and show up for yourself and you're feeling stronger, and you have you can have some outside forces who don't like that for whatever their, their reasons are and want you to feel less than. And so I don't want anyone to feel less than. I want, less than. I want you to know that you're going on the right track. So today I'm going to start off with expanding more about the situations that this may happen happen with and then give you some steps to take if that is the case for you. Okay, so I think there there are four steps for you to take if this is something that's happening for you. So let's jump into it. So one scenario that this can happen with is very much narcissistic partners. Let's just throw that, throw that out there already. Narcissistic partners, narcissistic family members. Um, I have a lot of women in our community who have narcissistic mothers and narcissistic fathers and or narcissistic authority figures that they grew up with, an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or someone who is very, very... Consumed with what benefits them and narratives that make them seem like the hero and make them sim- seem like the good person. And so if you are not doing what they want you to do or what they feel is in their best interest or what is convenient for them, they are very upset with that. If you are doing anything or sharing anything with them that goes against this hero positive narrative that they have had about, You know, always being present or always being there for you, always being generous or always being the best or whatever it is that is really key to their self identity, they will switch it and flip it to where you are the person who has actually been the person who has not been generous or not been present or, you know, whatever they need to do that is going to make you be the villain in the story and um, hopefully get you to pivot and turn back around. Again, if you come from a codependent past or you're in relationship with a narcissist that really really plays on your insecurities that make you start to doubt your voice and st- doubt your sense of self-worth and doubt your own boundaries and whether or not your boundaries are appropriate, what they want is for you to stay in that place because it benefits their convenience and, and benefits you being able to be used as a tool. Whether that tool is for access for money, for time, for sex, again, for a narrative that they are a good person. I have so many, I've had so many women talk about how when they are making distance with them and their narcissistic mothers, for example, that one of the things that they are doing that's breaking the rules is going against the narrative that their mother is the best mother ever and that their mother mother has always been emotionally available for them. And so the backlash will look like saying how the daughter is not grateful and the mother will start to talk about all the things that she has done and sacrificed to be there for the child. In the meanwhile, and completely gaslighting all the insults or times that she hasn't been emotionally or physically available, Maybe the truth that the times that she has been generous or giving has really been for show to brag to other people about how great of a mom she's been and look how much I give my daughter, or look how pretty she is or look how smart she is. And it's more about her and what she's done and how she's sacrificed. And that is all because of her, right? So your accomplishments, your, your identity, your joy, it is all because of her. And because of that, if you do not... Give this grand sense of obligatory repayment that you can never, never actually give back because, you know, motherhood is something that you give so much. Just this is just me speaking as a mom. But you give so much. There's literally no, nothing that your child can do to give back outside of just being appreciative and saying thank you. But when you're working with a narcissistic parent, it is that there's that concept. Plus, but because you can never pay me back, you are always in my debt. You're always in my debt um, to your detriment, no matter what I want. You, mind, body, soul, wallet, whatever belongs to me. And so that same thing can happen again with partners, with other family members. But that is typically what the exchange can look like. And a lot of gaslighting and a lot of projection, like I've already mentioned in the intro. For this episode, I really want to highlight... The impact and coping, not just when it's one individual person, because that's hard enough, but how do you cope when it is a slew of people? Because for this instance and the other ones that I'm going to talk about before I get into the steps is the pain is not only, wow, I, I really wish that I could reconcile things with this person or that we could get on the same page or that they could listen to me, but it's the smear campaign that goes along with that. So when you when you are healing and you start to use your voice and stand up for yourself and um, have better boundaries and you're dealing with a person who doesn't like that and they need to find some way to avoid accountability, especially if they don't have their own access to their own therapist or healthy resource or the setting around them really enables that, what happens is they go and they talk to other people around you, other people in your circle or their own community group to get validation for what they feel. So they will tell the story and they will tell the story in such a way that you are absolutely the bad person. That you are absolutely the the bad girlfriend, you are absolutely the bad partner, the bad daughter, the bad sister. Whatever whatever the story is and if these are people that you have regular contact with, that these are also people in your friend group, that these are also family members, you have the pain of what's going on with that person, and now you have this overwhelming feeling of, of sadness, betrayal, um, all of that that comes with having all of these other people think this negative thing about you as well. And that is so painful and hurtful in its own right, okay? So this episode is going to talk about all of that, and I want to validate that that is That is totally something that is okay for you to feel upset about. I think when it comes to healing, sometimes we can think, all right, when I'm healed, I'm not going to have any emotions about anything and I'm going to be completely neutral and nothing's ever going to get to me because I'm going to know my worth and I'm going to know my value. So whatever people say is not going to touch me. And if anything, the more that you heal, y'all, the more that you heal, the more connected to your humanity and your emotions that you become. So you actually become more aware of how this is hurtful to you. And that is actually not a weakness, that's a strength. Because when you're operating in a place where you don't feel your emotions at all, people are shooting off red flags and things that are dangerous and things that are hurtful to you. But because you have this impervious wall or what you think is impervious, because your body still receives the trauma, like just because you're trying to repress your feelings and your sadness and your And your anger is still in your body, which is why you will have, you know, gut issues or tension in your jaw or tension in your back and your shoulders, not being able to sleep, um, arthritis, heart conditions. Our our bodies feel what we are repressing. So for those of you who are like, I don't really want to deal with that, you are dealing with it. You are currently dealing with it. And the way for you to get through this and not have panic attacks or anxiety attacks or constantly find yourself in this place where you're looking for something to distract yourself from or looking for a high or looking for a relationship or looking for the next glass of rosé or looking for the next trip and constantly looking outside of you, the way for you to work through that is to come home to those feelings so that you can feel them so that they can leave. Your feelings do not stay with you forever. They leave once you, once you feel them and once you experience them. So don't hold back on that. Let yourself be honest about what this experience is for you so that you can actually process it and move forward. So yes, that smear campaign happens where um, a narcissistic partner, family member, parent, loved one, a coworker, boss, so many of us are in work relationships with people who are narcissists as well and we can feel very trapped and we can feel that we're trying to play double dutch and trying to and hopscotch and trying to navigate all the manipulation to stay on their good side and to avoid a smear campaign because we've seen what they've done with other people and the truth is you really just need to hold to your boundaries because with a narcissist the way that they win is by you staying silent, is by you being disempowered. And so you actually showing up for yourself in spite of that fear of what you think other people are gonna think, which I'm gonna talk about what you can do instead when, when you're afraid of that to take your power back and not, and not be afraid of the repercussions. When you actually show up for yourself, that's where you can actually create the narrative that you want and create the reality that you want instead of being being under that control. Okay, so narcissistic relationships is one of the one of the times that this can happen, where you can kind of be at risk of having having loved ones or family members think negative things about you by showing up for yourself. The other one is by being the scapegoat of the family. So, again, I have worked with lots of women who have been the scapegoat of their family. So they are the reason they are the one that can never get anything right. They are the ones who are causing problems in the family. They are the reason that such and such got divorced or uh, their their addiction or whatever they're going through has caused problems in the family. And no matter what this person has done or what they continue to do, whether they are going to therapy, whether they have pulled, whether you have pulled your, your life back together, whether you've gone to school, you've gotten married, you've created a family, you've done whatever, you are still the scapegoat. You're still the fuck up of the family. You're still the one who has the attitude. You're still the one who they'll remind you of things that happened in your past when you were a child. They'll tell tell stories that are not quite how it happened and they'll leave out the impact of what maybe themselves or what other people have done to to frame the story that you are the problem, have always been the problem. And if you would just get things together, everything would be better. But because you can and don't, we have to worry about you and we have to remind you of how bad you are. And we have to tell you these things about yourself because no one else is going to tell you. You got people outside your world that are trying to tell you that you're better than what you are, but we know the real you. We know the real you. So we're going to tell you the truth and you need to listen to us. And if you don't listen to us, We are going to use that information instead of it being that these are boundaries and this is you showing up for yourself. We're going to use this information to go and tell everybody about, to validate how, how stubborn you are or how egotistical you are or arrogant you are or defensive you are. And that family legend is only going to grow, right? That family narrative only gets bigger. And sis... I want you to know that you are not crazy that this if you if you're relating to this, if you are knowing that you have shown up in all the ways and done all the right things and you're still not getting the external credit or validation or affirmation from your family member and it's hurtful I want you to know that I see you and I want you to I want you to know that that's not right and I want you to know that your work is not unnoticed. You, we're going to get into this, but I want you to know that the work you have done is not for nothing. And what we're going to do is we're going to switch it from you do, you're doing work to make other people see you and validate you and, and love you to acknowledging that maybe that's not a healthy source for love for me. And maybe I need to look at it at a different source, right? Maybe the same phrase I use all the time, I'm I'm putting water in a hole with a I'm putting water in a bucket with a hole in the bottom, right? And so it's never going to get filled, but it's not because of me, it's because I'm using the wrong bucket, right? It's not because of you, you're just using a container that's not meant to receive everything that you have to give and that has nothing to do with you. Okay? Another example of being at risk of having um not only one person but multiple people have build a reputation about you that doesn't feel fair is actually what I've already shared but I'm just going to say because I wrote it down is setting boundaries and standing up for yourself. So this can happen in families that are not necessarily as dysfunctional as if you have a narcissist in your family like a full-blown person with MPD or whether or not you haven't always been a scapegoat. But let's say just in your family, there's lots of strong personalities and people are very um, stuck to how they feel. And maybe sometimes people can be defensive or have a hard time thinking outside the box. And so if you have a dynamic where just people are people, we're all humans, and you stand up for yourself and you set boundaries for yourself, that's outside of the family system or is outside of how the family normally operates, like you choose, you know, maybe we're a family that, that, that yells all the time. The way that we communicate is that whoever's the loudest and whoever talks the strongest and whoever gets the biggest and the baddest wins. And you decide, you know what? I don't want to communicate like that anymore with people. I don't want to argue. I don't want to play games. I don't want to get into the mess with all that and so you decide to change the rules and you decide to be someone who communicates more calmly, someone who is uh, more, um, hey, can we talk about this instead of you know shooting slugs at people or being indirect? You actually want to have a direct conversation and your family doesn't do that. <laughs> Or your friend group doesn't do that, especially if you're, you know, we, we recreate our family relationships. Our family relationships are our templates. And so we will recreate that dynamic in our friendships. We'll recreate that dynamic in our romantic partnerships. We'll recreate that dynamic in our work relationships and the cliques and the groups that we get close to. We will absolutely find our mother and our father and our sister and our favorite cousin our least favorite cousin. And we will recreate that same microsystem at work as well. Right. So who we are and how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about our relationships follows us everywhere we go. But anyways, you know, you you decide that you don't want to do that. You want to have a more what you feel is healthy way of communicating your problems, your needs and um, having discourse with others. And they don't like that. Because they're not used to it. It feels abnormal. It feels threatening to them because they can't do it. They don't understand it. This is a power dynamic that they, they don't know how to win anymore. And it's a threat. Even, even though you're talking calmly and even though you're trying to be validating, even though you're trying to affirm, it is threatening to them. And so what happens now that there, now there is a family narrative or a family discourse that you think that you're better than people <laughs> and you are, um, you're acting weird or you're acting sadity or you're acting white or you're acting bougie or, you know, there she, she in that therapy now. You, he, he, here she go. You want to talk about it? You want to talk about it, Marie? You want to talk about it, Sasha? All right, let's talk. And like, kind of like this mocking uh, situation that happens and just like I said for the last sister, I'm telling you that that is good, that you are not crazy, that it is so awesome that you are trying to elevate and esteem yourself and move past how things have been in the family before, that you are trying to have a different way of being. And and I love that for you. And I want you to know that I, I hope that you keep going Even if the people around you don't quite know what to do do with that, it is totally okay for you. You get one life. And even, I've said this before, even if you believe in reincarnation, you still got to live out the time you have right now. So you get to choose how your life today goes. And I'm so happy and proud of you for choosing a healthier way. Okay? So there's that scenario and this last one is again, kind of overlaps with the other ones, but you grow up and you leave the family cycle. So I see this most often, and not only the scenario I just gave where, you know, everybody communicates a certain way, you decide that you wanna do something else and it could also be the opposite. Like let's say your family avoids problems and they avoid communicating altogether, even though there's 18 giant elephants in the room, No one no one says what's actually happening. It's all whispers or nothing at all. And you decide, I don't want to live in secret and live in shame anymore. So I'm going to start calling things out and I'm going to start saying, hey, uncle, let's talk about this. Hey, mom, let's talk about this. Hey, dad, let's talk about this. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you stirring shit up? Why are you you causing problems? And so that becomes a narrative that's shared throughout the family to protect them from you, right? To protect them because they don't know what to do with it and they're not used to it. So that is one example of growing up and kind of leaving the family cycle. But I most often see this type of example with my ladies who are very codependent in that they have put their life on hold either emotionally, physically, romantically, financially to take care of the family. Um, So whether or not, you know, all, again, all their extra funds goes towards their family. I have a lot of women. uh, I help a lot of women who are still living at home with family and their thoughts and their narrative. is like, well, I have to be here to help out, or it's actually helping me to live here and save some money, even though they might not actually be saving money because a lot of their money is going towards taking care of and enabling family behaviors. And so, again, not actually helping where there's a true need, but enabling irresponsible behavior by family members. Um, even if they do get to save money, the emotional drain of living at home and living in these dynamic cycles is very hard for them. Um, um If you have a narcissistic or destructive family relationship that is very possessive of you, them not wanting you to have outside relationships and them not wanting you to have partnerships. And so always doing or saying something to get in the way of that because you are their possession. You are a tool. And so you growing up and leaving the family cycle is literally you leaving the household, you creating your own um, home, own home base, own system. Own set of family norms and values. And same thing as I said for the previous example. Now, the family narrative is that you think you're better, or you abandon us, or you don't care about us at all. And this is going to happen if you don't help out, or if you're not here. And, you know, I'm getting older, I'm getting sicker. What about me? And all of these things that put you as a child in the parent role. Or you, yes, you as a child in the parent or mother role for, for the whole family system, right? And, and if you look back, most likely you've been in that role since you were a wee little one and you've been hoping for that to change and it never has. And so finally, maybe with the work of your therapist or work with your own self healing, you decide you want something better. You get the courage to do that and now you're being punished. By how people are talking about you, how they're treating you, and how they're accusing you of doing things that are not actually accurate, and with all these scenarios, y'all, what can be really, really infuriating is you can usually break down the evidence that that is not what's happening. You know, there's so many, so many times that I will talk with women who are like, I had the receipts, like I had, I. I was able to show them this is how I'm communicating or this is how I'm giving financially or this. I showed up for this and I've done this and I didn't go to. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, It is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors this meeting so that I could show up here and it's never enough and anytime you're in relationships with people where it's never enough and it's kind of like you're hitting a brick wall or you're you're, you're talking to to, to to air that's where you have to look back and see okay okay is, is this something for me to change and not you to change and like you have to be better because you're already showing up as better. Like it's not, this isn't for you to try to convince your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or whoever it is that you are doing enough. It's for you to look at this situation and say, okay, no matter what I do is not enough. So if that's the case, maybe I need to switch my focus on what I'm trying to prove and what, who I'm trying to prove things to. Instead of trying to prove things to them, maybe I need to reevaluate and prove things to myself and look for safer relationships. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with, So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. And so here I am getting into our four steps. So if you're ready for that, well, y'all, here I go. (laughs) I thought I was on live for a second. (laughs) Sometimes I do Facebook lives and um, I cue people. I'm like, if you're ready, drop an emoji. And this is a podcast. So I'm leaving this in. Okay, so... Go ahead, get your pen and paper if you're not already taking notes. Uh, and this is going to be really simple, just f- four simple steps. Um, well, I mean, simple for me to say, simple for you to write down, maybe not as simple to do. So the first thing that I want you to do, if you if you are needing to cope with family, family members or loved ones thinking negatively about yourself, the first thing I want you to do is to validate your feelings. I want you to validate your feelings of... Um, Maybe you're feeling helpless to this and feeling like it's like there's so many opinions and so many thoughts and there's so many conversations happening about you or around you that you can't touch. And that can feel very, um, um, you can feel very powerless. You can feel very overwhelmed by that. You can feel like it's unfair. It can make you angry. It can make you really upset. It can make you sad. Um, I mentioned a betrayal earlier, feeling very hurt. You can also feel very lonely um, because these are people that you really care about and you really want to have relationships with them. And so having them thinking negative or disparaging things about you can be very, very hurtful and very, very harmful. And so that that is very true to a lot of people's experiences. And I want you I want you to name that for yourself. This wasn't one of the steps that I wrote down, but I just, you know, thinking about this as I'm saying this, I, one B, this is one B, <laughs> or you can just make it number two. I need you to, I need you to be honest with yourself or I need you to accept that there is no way that you are going to be able to change other people's opinions because you are not in charge of how people think, and that's not your responsibility. You are. It is not your responsibility. It is not your fault if people have a certain opinion about you or the reasons why you do the things that you do. I want to say it's the book The Four Agreements that talks about not taking things personally and understanding that other people's feelings and thoughts towards you is about them and it has nothing to do with you. So for example, going back to that that situation about everybody in the family yells and so you wanna communicate and you wanna actually have a discord and they say that you are um, acting different or you're acting white or acting whatever it is that is the negative insult in your family system. That has something to do with their inability to actually be in touch with their emotions and to communicate where they are from their hurt places. It has nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with their unhealed trauma and their brokenness. But because your family dynamic has been such a way where their opinion and their feelings towards you carries a lot of weight. I mean, as as it should because it's family members. I don't I really don't want I I want us to know that tenderness and receptivity and openness towards how our actions impact our family members is a good thing because that's how we regulate, right? We should. We should. It is a dangerous place to switch in the complete opposite extreme to say, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna say what I want and do what I want because I'm about my boundaries, and if they have a problem with it, that's their problem, no matter what, forever and ever." Amen. Because sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes our boundaries are built on our own trauma, and our own projection, and what we think is real is not actually real. So we have to be open to listen to other people. But going back to the point, you know, if someone has a problem with what you are thinking and feeling and it's coming from a healthy place, that's, that is their own stuff for them to reconcile if they even decide to reconcile it. And so if you are at a place where you're kind of holding your breath and kind of waiting for them to see the light and to see your point of view, and you can't move on until that happens, I want you to practice some radical acceptance that maybe that day will not come. And if that day does not come, what does that mean for me? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to release myself to do instead if that day is not going to come for me, right? And that can, with that, the feelings that you can feel can be more grief, can be more sadness. It could be regret. It could be despair. Um, going back to the grief, it could be imagining grieving what could have been, that you could have been really close to. These people were grieving how close you were before. And maybe as you've grown, you've, you've distanced yourself or distance has come as a result because now y'all communicate or need different things. And it's okay to feel sad about that. And that is a process that you're going to have to do to release yourself, to move forward and understand that you can't take everybody with you. And sometimes those people you can take with you are family members and friends who have been with you for, you know, maybe the entirety of your life. And that's, that can be a very sad realization. And, Unfortunately, it doesn't make it any less real. And so the quicker we're able to start to process those feelings, the sooner we can move forward. So first step, validate your feelings. Second step is um, be honest with the fact that you can't change people's opinions and you may need to radically accept that they may never change. And here's the thing, even if they do change, y'all, let let's say, let's say, They're also in their own therapy work, which is why you're also kind of holding on to like, maybe, maybe things will turn around in our relationship. Maybe things will be be fixed in our marriage. You know, my mom is going to therapy too. You're still putting your life on hold and the emotional freedom that you need in the hopes that maybe one day they'll get it. And we are entering the age where we stop putting our lives on hold for other people. We have an open door that when people are ready to jump back on board, welcome, I've been waiting for you. But in the meantime, this train is going. This train is moving, right? So there's that. Number three, since we now have five steps. (laughs) We have five steps instead of four. Um, Step number three is to write out the things that are true about you, okay? What makes it really painful well, one of the things that makes this really painful is um, just the impact of knowing that people are thinking and saying things about you and trading stories and building a narrative and a legacy and a reputation about you that can feel very opposite to who you are, right? So you could be the most generous person, giving and giving and giving of your time, your energy, your love, and your money, but now everybody's talking about how selfish you are, Right. You could be the most open hearted, open minded person who's always like looking for advice and looking to looking for personal growth opportunities and looking for ways that they can show up for themselves. But now the narrative is that you think you're better than everybody and you're egotistical and you know, you 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 have your opinion and you don't care what anybody else thinks. And that's usually where the pain comes from because it hits you right in the places that you feel. You feel confident about yourself that you, you've started to reclaim as being positives for you and they're not acknowledging that. And so, like I said before, you got to switch where you're getting your, your validation and your, and your affirmation from, from being external to internal. So internally with you, with what you know about you, I need you to write out the things that are true about you. Write out the things that are true. To your positive qualities. If you need to bring the that those receipts <laughs> like, like that I talked about for that previous scenario with one of my clients where she had like evidence of how she's shown up for herself. I need you to write that out for yourself. Write out the evidence that this is who you are. No matter whether or not they believed it or saw it, it's what happened, right? If that is hard for you, or even if it's not hard for you, because I really want us to get in the habit of reaching out to other people and talking to them. I want you to reach out to people who are safe to help you add to this list. So people who know you, who have seen these parts of you as well, reach out to them and share how you're feeling and share, you know, this is really hard for me. And this is what is being said about me. What do you think? And having them affirm you. I I encourage you to talk to people, if you can, who know both sides, because we don't want to also be at risk of being in a yes chamber where we're only talking to people who say, girl, that is totally not your fault. And people are people are always wrong and you're always right. Because, again, sometimes we do get it wrong. Sometimes we're not seeing the whole the whole perspective. Um, and so talk to people who, you know, are going to tell you the truth, who are going to be honest with you in love. Sometimes some of us who are still learning about this self-kindness, we gravitate towards people who will quote unquote, tell us the truth, but they do it in such a way that makes us feel like shit. And we think that that's constructive criticism when really we're just creating our abuse cycles. So recreating our abuse cycle. So I want you to talk to people who are honest, but they're honest in a way that's loving and a way that makes you feel more empowered and not more shameful. If that, if that makes sense for you. So yeah, talk to people who know both sides, talk to your therapist, right? This, this family relationship stuff will do a doozy on you. It will do a doozy on you. And you could even, even if you think you have a good grip on it, you need to talk to a mental health professional who can help give you some perspective and help maybe see some negative traumatic patterns that you have been missing, um, which is why this has been so hard for you to let go. Step number four, I want you to determine what makes you feel safe and then do that in regards to these relationships. So this can be difficult because we can be looking at multiple relationships. So again, this episode is absolutely for maybe the one or two people that you're in discord with, but also the impact of what happens when these people start talking to other people around you and talking to your friend groups or talking to other other family members, talking to your work colleagues and kind of poisoning the well there a little bit. Um, You know, with work situations, you can leave, which I highly, highly encourage you to leave toxic work environments. And even if you've been dedicated to a place for years, your mental health and your emotional health, sis, is worth so much more. And this is especially for my healers. And I, and I know I've probably mentioned this before. Uh, do not stay because you love your clients. Your clients can love you back. And if their they're, if they're healer is being beat down every day, that is ultimately not going to help them feel better too because how you feel is going to impact your work. And so you have to, have to, have to take care of yourself. But anyways, going back to the point of number four, determining what you need to do to make you feel safe and then doing that. If this is a relationship that is narcissistic and they are doing smear campaigns and making you not feel good about yourself, then you may need to exit that relation. That may need, I don't want to qualify. I always try to qualify things just to leave space. But with narcissists, you need to leave. Narcissism, they, their goal is to... Destroy. It's to demean, destroy, to put you down, to keep you in place. A narcissist does not get better. You pointing out this part of the episode and replaying it for them to show who they to show them how they're affecting you is only going to give them more fuel to hurt to hurt you later. It is not it's not going to change anything. So you need to leave that relationship. Um, but with you know everybody else, with you know maybe family members who are. Who have been destructive, or who who are scapegoating you, or who think are thinking disparaging things about you, or friend groups? You need to decide: Is this a relationship that I am going to just have? Moderate, um, modify the amount of contact I have with them. So maybe I don't talk with them every day. Maybe i talk with them once a week. Maybe I don't talk to them for hours on end. Maybe I just have short conversations with them. Maybe I only go to their house instead of them coming to my house. So I feel like I have more control on me leading the situation. If it gets kind of, you know, elevated, right? You get to decide what feels safe for you in executing it and doing it. You are in control of that. They may have their opinions and they may not like it, but you get to be the one who decides. You are grown. You're a grown-up listening to this. If you're listening to this, you are a grown-up and you get to remove yourself, okay? I need you to hear that you had the power to make these decisions for yourself, okay? And even when you weren't a grown-up, let's say and this is me speaking to your inner child. And this is also in the case that I have some teenagers who are listening to this says you, your identity and your humanity was real and present from the day that you were born. You have always, always, always decided or deserved to have respect, to have love, to have your opinion listen to you, even when you were four or five years old. You know, your parents get the ultimate say because they're in charge of your health and your safety and your protection. And they have a perspective that you may not see, but your voice has always been important and has always mattered. And that is no less true or is no more true just because you're in your 20s or your 30s or your 60s, right? And it's you believing that and you knowing that for yourself. And so for some of us, we need to modify our contact. And for some of us, we need to go into no contact altogether. For some of us, there may be some relationships that we, once we grieve and once we kind of try to do the modification, we may realize every time I'm around them, this is the energy that's here. This is how painful it is. When I try to talk to them, this is what I get. This is a widespread rumor that I just, and powerless to work through. So, I actually just need to remove myself from this because it's too painful otherwise. And I need you to know that that's an okay decision as well. It's okay for you to remove yourself. For all of the things that I always share, I always again suggest that you are talking to your therapist because sometimes what we could be very clear on maybe, maybe you're listening, you're like, this is absolutely no contact. This is so painful. I need to remove myself. And then you talk to a therapist who's able to equip you with tools to communicate your needs in a more healthy way where you can actually keep your relationships with people. Um, But whatever it is, I need you to get, get some support and help and not try to do this alone because the echo chamber that you will be left with if you're doing this alone is all of the negative thoughts that, people have told you your whole life, no matter how much you try to do your own affirmations and do your own validation statements or get with crystals or, you know, read the Bible, whatever your thing is, you have to replace those those words that people have said to you with other words, with other people's, uh, with other truths, with with the reality that all of my intimate relationships, not everybody's going to think this about me, but if it's just you... And your Bible, or you and this, even though the Word of God is powerful and you know, God's voice is amazing, our interpersonal relationships are so so vital with our healing as well, right? Remember, people are the hand of God in our life, and so we got we got to get around healthy hands, okay? So, determine what makes you feel safe in that relationship and boundaries, and then do it, and then finally. Number five is: I want you to focus on the people that you have who do love you versus those that you don't. Especially if you're in the middle of a smear campaign, or if you have a big family, or if you have um, um, an ex friend group who know lots of people in your circle and not lots of people in your network, and they're going and you're sharing, they're sharing all these things about you that aren't true, and you are realizing that it's just too much emotional effort that actually won't work for you to go and try to you know, have conversations with people to try to diffuse the fire and defend yourself. Instead of focusing on all of these people and all of these relationships that may seem like burned bridges, I want you to focus on the abundance of relationships that you do have. It's kind of like, you know, if you've ever had the experience of feeling like you know, nobody likes you and that you're all alone. Meanwhile, you have a phone full of people who are texting you and trying to hang out with you. And you're like, man, I wish people liked me. I wish I had friends. And you got a whole bunch of Facebook invites that you haven't responded to, or, you know, you've been been flaking on people because you're focusing on maybe Certain people or certain relationships that you don't have instead of focusing on the abundance that's all around you. I just repeated the exact same thing, but you get my point. Um, when you, Whatever you focus on, that's what's going to grow. So if you focus on... Um, the unfairness of the situation or if you focus on the fact that all these people think negative things about me, you're only going to find evidence that supports that and you're only going to find relationships with people who think negative things about you versus if you focus on people who see your strengths, who see how amazing you are, who want to spend time around you, who validate your healing, who validate your boundaries, who who love that you have a voice. You know, I remember I was in a relationship with one person who told me straight out that they did not like when I went sheepish. <laughs> they did not like, this as a romantic partnership. They did not like when I just like became needless and wantless. And I was just like, trying to go with the flow. They were like, Sheena, I like, I like when you have an opinion. Can you Tell me your opinion, right? Those are the people, the people who want you to show up as your best self, who want that, that challenge, And they can hold it because they have their own confidence and they have their own boundaries and they have their own sense of self-worth. That's who we invest in. That's where we grow. That's where we get stronger. Right? And so those are the relationships that I want you to focus on. Okay? So those are the five steps. I hope that you found this episode helpful. I hope that it is something that you can come back to and work through. If this is something that you know you're going to want more support with to work through, for this, the resource that I would suggest is the Loved Woman Co's Cultivate Your Relationships card deck. And that card deck, they have, um, it's it's a card deck that has four different sections for the four different types of relationships, family relationships, romantic partnerships, friendships, and your relationship with yourself, self-love. And it's broken down into three-month intervals, which every week you have a new challenge and you have a new activity that's going to help you, help you cultivate relationships in that domain. So for you and your family relationships, you can get that card deck and you can every week assess what the health is, what you actually want your relationships with these family members to be like, how you want to show up for yourself and boundaries and it breaks it down. And then of course you can repeat the different weeks as much as you need to, or come back to them or maybe even do them out of order, but it's totally up to you. And then you can also use the card deck for all the other relationships as well. But that, I think that would be a really great resource for women who are really, connecting to this and also for friendships as well. So friendship relationships you can look at and assess and nurture and grow the relationships that work for you and prune off the ones that don't. So you can get that deck by going to the lovedwoman.co. Uh again that's dot co not .com. And you can go ahead and order your card deck. Um, at the time I'm recording this, they are in a pre-orders and they will be shipping out um, before November. So right in time for family, um, family holiday season when we're going to need it the most. So you can go ahead and place that order and let them know that I sent you. Um, so that's it, y'all. I hope you have a great rest of your week and take care of yourselves. See you in the next episode thanks for listening to this week's podcast before we get started let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors